0: Welcome to the v Brown Bag APAC, I'm Brett Johnson, and joining me tonight is Lauren Malhoyt from Cisco. Would you like to say hello, Lauren?
1: Hi, hi Brett, how's it going?
0: Good, how are you doing this evening?
1: Oh, I'm doing well, thanks.
0: Okay, so tonight we've got our third installment on the our series covering the Cisco ACI product. Um, the first two installments can be found on vbrandbag.com and professionalvmware.com. There's also a large, large range of other podcasts if you want to check those out. So, uh, without uh, any further delay, Lauren, if you're ready, I'll let you take over and go through security in a- ACI.
1: All right, I'm I'm ready as I'll ever be. So yeah, tonight we're uh, going to talk a little bit about the security in ACI. Um, I think the schedule says contracts, so am diving in more to contracts, which is um, basically security in ACI, so I'm going to cover a few different things. Um, I'm going to start out with the role-based access control, though, um, or RBAC, if you will. There is really only one slide, and then I'm going to show you guys a demo. Um, so we have something well we have role based access control with ACI so if you're familiar with um role based it's you know creating roles and assigning users to them so roles could be read write could have different admin capabilities over different parts of our ACI fabric in this case um we also have what we call security domains now let me just jump into the demo to uh show that because I think it'll be easier to understand. So I do have a live demo for this one, hopefully. In um, here we're in our APIC again, remember our Application Policy Infrastructure Controller, which is our, our brains and heart of ACI, um, the controller basically in this SDN solution. We're at our system dashboard, as we always are when we log in, so I'm gonna go ahead and click on the Admin tab, in this case, and the Admin's where we take care of this access control and creating users, uh, creating security domains, as I mentioned. So, you know, we have our AAA tab, and then under security management, we have what's called a security domain. Now, by default, we have all, common, and management. So this is going to be in every installation of ACI, you're going to have these three uh, security domains by default. And what these security domains reflect on uh, all is basically all of your ACI fabric. So, if I assign, um, when I'm talking about all, I'm talking about the entire ACI fabric in this case. The security domain is the entire ACI fabric, so when I assign roles and things like that to all, then that administrator will have access or or specific role-based access to everything. Common is for things like common services, so when we're managing things in our common tenant probably, or other uh, things like DHCP, Active Directory, some of the common services that we need access to. And then of course, management is whatever I deem the managerial tasks in ACI. But we can also create new security domains. So let's say I have Brown bag security domain. And a lot of times these will uh, coincide with tenants, right? In, in my multi-tenant model, I'm going to create tenants. Let's say I have a vBrownBag tenant, and then I want to create a vBrownBag security domain. So everything that I attach to this vBrownBag security domain will then be the security for that vBrownBag tenant, as long as I uh, relate the two some way. I'll show you guys how to do that. So I've created my vbrownbag, security domain, it's really easy. Type in the name, click Submit. Um, these are all the, role based, uh, the roles essentially available within ACI by default. We have things like Fabric Admin, which again is an administrator for basically the entire fabric. Things like Tenant Admin, which you're probably familiar with. So you would have a user who is only granted privileges in the APIC for a specific tenant. And everything in in between, vMM admin for the VM networking portion, et cetera, et cetera. So your your vSphere admins or your Hyper-V admins might have some uh, capabilities there. And then I can create local users. I also have LDAP, um, Radius, TACACS, uh, public public key management. That's obviously you know to get in and create keys and key rings and all that good stuff. But So you don't have to use local users. You can use things like Active active Directory users if you like. But I'm also going to create a local user here. And I don't have to specify anything here. I can add security domains and whatnot if I want. Um, I can give access to all common management. But I'm just going to click Next and create my user. So let's just say I'm creating user Lauren. I'll give it a password, I can fill out the rest of the stuff if I want. It's optional, Um, active or inactive status, so we can create users, make them inactive if we need to, uh, which, you know, satisfies a lot of auditing and whether the account expires or not. So I'll go ahead and click finish, there we go, and then I can actually click on that user and again, I can configure all of this stuff. I can add security domains to which this user has access. So I can put V Brownbag in there. And then, of course, where the role-based stuff comes in, I can say, um, this person's a tenant admin with write privileges. I can do read or write privileges. Um, click Update. And now I have my role-based access control for vBrownBag. However, I haven't actually attached tenant to it yet. So if I go ahead and create a tenant called vBrownBag, here is where I can specify. And I have actually created this already. Um, so it's, it's checkmarked in there already. But I would go ahead and checkmark that. And then click Submit. And this would attach that security domain to that tenant specifically. And we'd have uh, all the the great security attached to a specific tenant in in this custom security domain case. So as interesting as uh, role-based accesses and I always loved taking tests on things like that, <laughs> not really, um, that's that's what I had for security domains. So let's go ahead and dive into some more interesting things, although not necessarily more important. Uh, micro-segmentation. So that is kind of a huge buzzword right now in the SDN world, especially between VMware NSX, um, Cisco ACI, microsegmentation. If you're not familiar with it, we'll go through a brief description. So traditionally, networks are set up like, like you see in my um, slide here. The perimeter is where all the security is. Um, on the left there especially, we have the firewalls on the outside and, you know, we may have different zones in those f- firewalls if you're coming from a Cisco ASA firewall specific place, but essentially all firewalls walls kind of allow you to create maybe a DMZ or, or DMZ, if you will. Um, also, your production environment, your, however you are creating security zones within your environment. And the picture on the right kind of shows micro-segments, so we have separate security zones created, um, like I said, but the the firewall is still on the perimeter there. This is still a micro-segment, right, because we're not creating an entire network and and allowing access to it. Um, But in these security zones, we're actually seeing isolation, specific isolation between specific devices. So what's the purpose of micro-segmentation? Well, in that picture on the left there, we have what we're calling an evil genius hacker person, and they are able to get through our firewall somehow. Um, You know, we forgot a rule or something got deleted. Some bug got exposed, they get through our firewall. And they make it to a server. So in the case where we don't have uh, micro-segmentation, they attack the server, they're able to own it, In the case where we don't have micro-segmentation, they're also able to attack all the other servers because nothing's isolated in this case. Um, There are no security zones set up. So the evil genius hacker person is able to overtake all of our servers in this case that our first server had access to. When we implement micro-segmentation, the evil genius hacker person still owns that first server, right? They're still able to get through the firewall still able to attack us, but the difference is, here, is that they're blocked from the other isolated servers. So we've we've set up these security zones, we've set up micro-segments. In this case, server by server, whether that be physical or uh, a VM, it, it, it could be anything, really. It could be another security, or another uh, network device. We have this micro-segmentation set up to Keep us safe on the in, on the inside, keep us safe in that east to west traffic and not just the north to south. And our evil genius hacker person is crying and sad, of course. So, let's talk a little bit about ACI and what it will secure. Um, it will secure VMware traffic, vSphere traffic, uh, you know, VM traffic. When we're creating port groups, the actual VM network port groups, it will secure the VMs in, between, in those port groups. Um, so, specifically, even if the VMs are in the same port groups, we can create micro-segmentation in there now with, with ACI, um, specifically, Sorry, I'm just getting over a cold, so my, my throat's getting a little dry. Um, so specifically when we're using the AVS now, which is the application virtual switch that comes from Cisco, we, we can do this micro-segmentation right now. The VDS micro-segmentation is coming uh, next month, so in February 2016. We announced this a few weeks ago, so our next release should allow for both the vSphere distributed switch and the uh, application virtual switch to allow us to do these uh, micro-segmenting capabilities. Now, also with ACI, not only can we micro-segment the VM traffic, not only can we secure the VM traffic, we can secure any management traffic, um, vMotion, IP storage. So anything where we're creating those VM kernel port groups, we can secure that. Not only can we do VMware, we can also do any other hypervisor. So if you're running a multi-hypervisor shop, or maybe you're only running Hyper-V um, KVM, we can secure that as well as the bare-metal l- workloads. So again, that, the bare-metal workloads is coming next month. So that was just announced a few weeks ago. We can do this microsegmentation in the physical realm, which is pretty exciting. And you know, I do I kinda want to come back to that. Why why do we want to do this micro segmentation in the physical realm? You know, maybe you don't maybe you don't need microsegmentation segmentation at all. You know, that's it's a use case. It's not necessarily a necessity for every single thing. Because remember with ACI, we have a whitelist model, which means that we have to actually assign contracts to allow traffic. Any other thing is Um, denied between EPGs or endpoint groups. So I already have kind of built in micro-segmentation in in a way. I've built in security zones with ACI by using uh, endpoint groups. Um, So we have all that for the physical and virtual realm. And if we do need micro-segmentation though, We don't probably just need that in our VMs. If we think it's so important to offer this isolation in our virtual realm, it's probably just as important to offer it in the physical realm as well. So I think it's an important thing to remember that we want to offer security in both realms, as they both still exist in most companies, if not all. So I mentioned endpoint groups, and we talked about that before. Um, If you are not familiar, go back and watch the first two uh, podcasts or episodes in this ACI series. But endpoint groups, we can specify in various ways. We can specify by VLANs or physical ports or virtual port groups, let's say in vSphere, these things can can be specified In these basically six different ways, now we've added VM Attributes to the mix. So this was just in the last couple of releases of ACI that we can do what we call a VM Attribute Endpoint Group. And I will show this, if you guys don't remember how we created Endpoint Groups um, before, Uh, I'll, I'll show you a little demo. So with the VM attributes, how are they? Does that work? Say from
0: VMware tags, or can that be multiple different attributes? How does that sort of play into this?
1: Sure. So it's actually from the vSphere APIs. It's anything that we can. So here's a list of the VM attributes that actually we can work with in ACI. And we just are able to get all this information from the vSphere APIs. So, you know, like in PowerShell, when you you do a get-vm, right, you come up with a lot of these different um, attributes, and we're able to utilize that within ACI. Uh, Some of the popular ones, you know, would be a VM name, right? And I'll show you an example with that. Uh, Other things could be by the AVS or the application virtual switch. So I could say everything in this application virtual switch will be in the same endpoint group. Or everything that's Windows will be in this endpoint group. I mean, I don't know if you would do that or not, but or maybe everything that's Linux would be in this endpoint group. By data center, um, all all of the things posted here, I I won't go through it and read it all. But just think of all of these things as a way to specify a group of VMs. And VM attribute um, endpoint groups are actually created dynamically. So let me go in and just show you. It might be easier to see through a video. And I apologize. It is a video. Um, I didn't. I wasn't able to get a lab with an application virtual switch today, so we'll go through and I'll explain this video as we go. There we go. Okay. So I'm showing you the the vSphere client right now. I have two endpoint groups in there, as you can see. Well, I have multiple, uh, sorry, port groups, uh, as you can see. But the two I'm concentrating on, um, I've created it within ACI. So that that microsegmentation-demo <clears throat> database and web are the two I've created within ACI. For this example. And you can see them here. So I have the web and database EPGs the my my ACI in my APIC and this is kind of a review of what we went over last time I'm going to put a contract between the web and database EPGs in this case I'm just going to allow any traffic Um, so no no filters just anything goes between my my web and database EPGs and any endpoints within those Sorry, I keep uh, muting myself to cough here. But I'm just showing my two EPGs. I don't really have anything in them yet. And these are static EPGs. These are not the microsegmentation EPGs that I talked about yet. I will get to that. So I have two VMs, an Ubuntu VM and a Windows VM. And I'm going to put them in the proper port groups, which align with my endpoint groups in ACI, so that web and database port group and endpoint group. Okay, so now they're in the proper port groups. Now they should be able to communicate, because remember, I have that contract that allows any traffic. And you can see in the APIC, we click on the epg web on the operations tab we can see that that ubuntu VM has been assigned to that port group or that endpoint group same with the windows we can see that in the database endpoint group and since we're able to ping and and send IP information we've learned the IP address we've learned the MAC address which hosting service on, all sorts of neat information that we might use to uh, troubleshoot or just look at things later. So just to prove that I can communicate, I'll sign on to the Ubuntu VM. I'll find out, you know, the uh, IP address, which is 192.168.66.101. I can ping the default gateway at .1. I'm sorry, that that was the Windows VM. Now we're on the Ubuntu VM. I'll find out this address, which is 192.168.66.100. Again, I can ping the default gateway from the Ubuntu VM. And I can ping the Windows VM as well. So we see that traffic is working. It's communicating. Because again, the contract allows it between my two EPGs. And just to prove, you know, we'll ping the the Ubuntu VM from the Windows server. Okay, so now I'm going to create a uh, micro-segmentation Uh, epg or useg if you will and in this use case I am going to specify infected VMs so we're considering a use case here where we want to create a quarantine automatically when a certain VM is tagged that it has been infected so I'm calling this useg-epg-infected VMs. I'm going to put it in my bridge domain that I've created for this demo, and then here's where I specify those VM attributes that we talked about earlier. So I'll give it a name, infected. Um, Custom attribute. I'm going to specify where to look, so on you know, a certain vCenter server on a certain application virtual switch. I'm, I've specified my Windows VM here. That's just because we're doing custom attributes. The name of the, the, the tag that we're looking for is infected. And when the value is true for infected, we will move the VM into this endpoint group automatically. So nothing's in there right now, because I don't have anything that's infected yet. Um, Here I actually put it in the right VMM domain. Um, And here's where I'm showing, there's nothing in there now. So we're on the Ubuntu VM, we're still pinging because nothing's been infected yet. Well, somehow my uh, audio came back on my demo. Let's see if I can mute that. Okay. So we're back in our vSphere client. I I haven't specified this, but in this case, the antivirus solution that I'm using has specified the infected um, custom attribute as true. So, this was done automatically through some sort of antivirus um, solution. You know, I mean, for, for the demo it's rigged, but, but the antivirus solution has deemed this VM is infected by some sort of virus. So now if we go ahead and look at our microsegmentation EPGs, we do have the Windows VM, which has been, um, which has the infected attribute now set to true it's been automatically moved into our microsegmentation EPG. And it's no longer in our database EPG, which is where we set it in VMware. It also doesn't have a contract assigned to it, because this is a quarantined EPG, essentially. So there's no contract, there's no way for traffic to get out of this endpoint group. So anything, any endpoint within this endpoint group will not be able to communicate with anything else on our Fabric. So, if we change uh, the... Oh, let's see where we go here. Okay, so if we look and edit settings in vSphere, it actually still shows as in the database port group. The reason this says is, is because microsegmentation EPGs don't actually show up in vSphere, so it's non-disruptive to the the VM itself. The VMware admin doesn't necessarily know about it. Obviously, we can create triggers and notifications and things like that uh, to notify everyone because we don't want an infected machine. But but the important thing here is that it's non-intrusive. So we're not making any big changes on the vSphere side. It still looks like it's in the database uh, port group. And there actually isn't an infected VMs port group that was created on this application virtual switch.
0: So with this, when you mentioned about the antivirus, that's just sort of an example of the multiple third-party um, third products might be able to integrate, change an attribute, and depending on what you set up for your segregation, then um, ASCI can take action as whatever's specified. Is that sort of what, this, what yeah. that's helping to show there?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the integration between VMware and the antivirus, you know, you'd be able to create certain triggers or, you know, you might create some sort of scripting or, or, you know, application on you on the customer end, end user end. Um, but, yeah, either way, the antivirus would be working with the VM in this case, and ACI would just basically be picking these attributes up through the APIs.
0: And uh, so it also then obviously handles custom attributes, not just the predefined ones within it, VMware.
1: Right. As, you know, within reason, yes. So I'm showing that my infected VM has, in fact, been quarantined. My my pings are no longer working. I can no longer communicate from my um, Ubuntu VM to. To my Windows VM, because the Windows VM has been quarantined. Now, if you notice, uh, the antivirus has now deemed my Windows VM uh, as not infected anymore. Infected is false. So if you look. In the lower left-hand corner under annotations, it says false at this point and that's when my ping started working again. So again, it's automatic. It's no longer in my um, micro-segmentation EPG. It got moved back to my database EPG because that's where the VM is actually in edit settings. That's where we see the, the network. It's actually under database. So that's one use case for microsegmentation, um, being able to quarantine things. We have other use cases. Um, this kind of shows it a little more clear. Hopefully, you can see a little better in the screenshot um, where we we are creating EPGs with VM attributes, and over on the right there, I am specifying a VM name in this case. So my my fill my vm filter attribute or, or my, my vm attribute essentially I gave it a name called finance web um, the type is vm name that's where we specify custom attribute in that video but in this case I'm going to use vm name my operators contains it could be equals it could be a lot of different things and then the value finance so anything that has a VM name, so literally the names that you see in vSphere, not necessarily the guest OS name, although we could do it by that too. Um, With the name finance will be put into the same EPG. And then we can assign the same policies to that. So finance web always needs to talk to finance app. We can create those policies. Um, And again, here I'm just showing how we've created our finance web EPG and our avs finance web one VM over on the right there in the top is actually in that EPG, and in vSphere, we're actually seeing it still in the web port group or the web EPG. Um, yeah, sorry, I was gonna... I feel, I feel like I had a really important point and then I just lost it, so <laughs> I'll just keep going. We're also, we've announced recently, in the last few weeks, that we are allowing intra-EPG isolation now. Um, So this is, again, this isn't out, this is actually a future. Um, We have announced it, it should be out next month. What intra-EPG isolation gives us is, if you'll remember in the previous Uh, episodes, I talked about how everything within an EPG can communicate. So if I have two endpoints in my same endpoint group, those by default are able to communicate. Anything between EPGs, so if I have an endpoint in one endpoint group and an endpoint in another endpoint group, I have to have a contract between those because that's where the whitelist model comes in. But we can now do intra EPG isolation, or we, we will be able to do it in the next release, um, with any virtual or bare metal. Um, so again, we're covering both the virtual and physical realms. Um, all the endpoints in this EPG, if we've specified there will be intra-EPG isolation, are actually isolated from each other. And
0: you so, that uh, work it, on the same whitelist model?
1: Yeah, so it, this this basically, everything still applies. Everything with, within two endpoint groups will have to have a contract in between to allow that communication between the two endpoint groups, but this is just within one endpoint group. So it'll actually isolate each server, whether that be a VM or physical server or even some sort of network device or appliance. Everything within those, that endpoint group or isolation has been turned on will be isolated from each other. So we're kind of really getting that that deep micro-segmentation there, that isolation. So you might use this in, say, your, your DMZ uh, or DMZ. You guys say DMZ, right? Is that?
0: Yeah, DMZ. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, that's where this could be interesting, right? Because we want to place maybe everything, we want to maybe create uh, a DMZ port, uh, endpoint group, because that all, it's getting all the same policies, it's allowed all the same policies to the inside, but maybe we don't want everything in our DMZ to be able to communicate with each other, right? So we would turn on this entry EPG isolation.
0: It sounds like it's going to be good to get a more hierarchical approach to it. As you said, like with the DMZ as an example, where you can sort of between that and then you have your more Generic contract that it links to.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and th- and that way you're you're not specifying several contracts for everything. I mean, even though we can kind of copy and paste these contracts, it's a lot easier from an administrator point of view if we can create one EPG, create one contract, or maybe you know a couple contracts or whatever, um, or contract with a few filters to to handle that entire EPG rather than you know, reinvent the wheel every single time. So as I said, some of this is a future... Definitely sounds a lot easier to administer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's kind of what we're trying to do with the software-defined networking, is to, you know, people that are constantly making changes to their network or adding things to their network. You know, in this case, if you add a server to the DMZ, you just throw it in that APG, it would be isolated from the other servers there, but it would all it may automatically get the same policies that they all get. So here's kind of what we have now, what we will have in the next few releases. Um, I, I'm not going to read it all to you guys, but... Basically, the important notes are where we're offering microsegmentation, what kind of encapsulation, whether it's VLAN and VXLAN or just VLAN. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the virtual realm, the physical realm, and we see that lovely uh, Docker logo over there. So uh, we're also offering a lot of the security for containers c- or container-based solutions. And actually, we will have, um, if you remember, the the VMM integration that we talked about last time, we're, we're going to have even tighter Docker integration in that, that VMM integration piece. So that's just kind of an aside. And to uh, wrap it up here, I'm just going to talk about a few other things that we have as far as security, now this this hasn't been like a comprehensive, all-encompassing security talk with ACI because there's actually a ton more out there. But just some cool things that I like to talk about. Uh, the ACI distributed firewall. So right now, this is only available with the uh, application virtual switch. If you're using that AVS uh, with your virtual environment, whether that be vSphere or Hyper-V, KVM, we offer a stateful firewall. What this is, is we've talked about contracts today, and the contracts are essentially stateless firewalls, which again, we went through in the last couple of episodes, but they didn't do any um, stateful inspection before. Now, with VMs, we can actually offer that stateful inspection. So, if you see there, it's just a, a checkbox. If you want to have stateful inspection, between endpoint groups in your vSphere, Hyper-V, or or KVM port groups or endpoint groups, then we can just go ahead and toggle that on and all of a sudden we have stateful inspection. So that's kind of cool. We also offer um, layer 4 through 7 integration. We talked about that a little bit too. Now we offer it in both a managed or unmanaged mode. So, what managed means is that basically everything is configured through the APIC, that, that controller that we have in ACI. So, every attribute, every parameter is configured from the APIC, and the APIC continues to manage that as we move forward. We also now offer an unmanaged mode, and it's, again, literally unchecking a checkbox And now we can integrate a firewall uh, load balancer IPS IDS in an unmanaged mode, which means that we can still stitch in these firewalls in between endpoint groups. So if I need deep packet inspection or if I need to do some load balancing between endpoint groups, I can stitch those in, but still manage it from that particular device. So if I need to log on to a Fortinet firewall or log into um, an F5 load balancer, I can go ahead and manage it from that specific device. So this will help if, say, you're, you're not able to find a device package specifically for ACI and whatever layer 4-7 ser- uh, devices that you're using. Uh, if you prefer, if you have separate admins that are handling this, your Layer 4 through 7 devices, then they'd still be able to do it from that uh, unmanaged mode. We also have something called ACI Endpoint Tracker, and this is part of what we call our ACI Toolkit, which has a bunch of actually little things in there, including um, creating snapshots and and rollback um, for our entire ACI fabric, you know, like like you would create a snapshot for a VM, we can do that with the ACI Fabric, create a snapshot and, and roll back to it if we want to. Things like that are in the ACI Toolkit. The ACI Toolkit is available for free to download um, from GitHub, I believe. But ACI Endpoint Tracker is kind of a cool little auditing tool. It basically tracks every endpoint that's ever been attached to your Fabric. It tells you everything you ever wanted to know about it. So if we find a rogue device, you know, you you probably wouldn't read through the entire list <laughs> constantly, but if we do find a rogue device, maybe in our uh, IPS or IDS or in our firewall, we can go ahead and search for that device by any parameter, you know, probably an IP address, and see when it was attached to our fabric, when it was no longer attached, you know, which interface it was attached to, and, you know, all sorts of information so it's just a cool little auditing tool that I like and and think would be helpful when uh, when you have any any rogue things on your network and then we also have which isn't totally security but kind of along the lines of auditing um, our our diagramming tool so it'll actually create network diagrams, ACI diagrams, for you automatically. Um, Again, this is part of our ACI toolkit. You just have to type in a command like we see at the top there. And it will draw uh, a a little diagram for us. So we can do it for a tenant, we can do it for the entire fabric. We would specify that in the command. As you can see at the top, we get the single-tenant.png. But we can do it for basically anything we want in the ACI fabric and print out automatically are um, network diagrams, which I hate making network diagrams because I always either go like too detailed or not detailed enough and it's just like I give up in the middle because uh, it's, you know, a pain to create. So uh, I, I like this little tool too. And yeah,
0: those stencils.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, for reference, if, if you guys want to look up any of the things I've talked about, of course feel free to reach out to me at Malhoid on Twitter. But um, here are some uh, white papers and videos and whatnot to uh, look through. And that's all I had for today. And just to make one more mention, just on the
0: um, with references as well, there is also a very good foundations PDF. For ACI supplied by Cisco as well.
1: Nice, thank you.
0: No worries. Well, thank you very much for the presentation tonight, Lauren. And thank you once again for getting up at something along the lines of three a.m. to <laughs> teach us a bit more about Cisco ACI. Love, well, thank it definitely you. Looks for like that. you guys are getting no worries. It looks like, yeah, yeah, definitely management of this is going to become a lot easier in the future releases, which will be excellent to see considering how many options there are currently available.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it can be a bit overwhelming at first, but, but yeah, I, I think uh, we're making it easier, and, and once you kind of, it becomes intuitive after, after you kind of get over that, that first hump, that first learning curve, so yeah, hopefully uh, we continue to go in good directions.
0: It sounds like you guys are well on your way. <laughs> so I'd like to thank everyone listening to the V Brown Bag podcast. Our, as I mentioned, uh, this is our third installment of the Cisco ACI series, and the rest can be found at vbrownbag.com or Professional VMware. And once again, Lauren, thank you very much for taking the time to present tonight.
1: And thanks again to you.